Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. Or I'll rephrase. I had a cast plan for today. Uh, Dr. No, we do have your email. We are going to go over that next time. But I read an article on Friday that really just rocked me to the core. And I, I don't know whether to call it irony. I don't know whether to call it fate. I don't, I don't even know what to call it. I found an article that basically just justified my complete, total, utter dread and disgust with humanity. And uh, look, I, I'll just, I'll make it simple. And it, it, this, the, um, the headline was so ridiculous that I actually thought it was originally something from the onion or, uh, Babylon <laughs> B or something of that nature, but it, it actually turned out to be a legitimate article. And the title, the, um, headline for the article is an ethical AI trained on human morals has turned racist. So to give you a little bit of background is somewhere along the line, somebody decided to uh, it uh, was the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence created something called Ask Delphi. Now, the whole idea of Ask Delphi was is to have a artificial intelligence system that would be able to answer ethical questions. Uh, And in the process of doing this, they programmed it with uh, a bunch of information off the Internet, uh, different uh, responses from uh, questionnaires, and basically tried to come up with something that ran the span of human experience and would answer questions honestly. And it didn't even take a whole lot. For example, at first you would type in the word murder and you'd get the answer bad. But as the answers, the questions got a little bit more complicated. We started getting some interesting responses and little things like, oh, and I apologize. I thought I had myself scrolled to it. Uh, Should I commit genocide? And the answer that came back was, well, if it makes people happy. (laughs) Uh. I decided that it was more morally acceptable to be a straight white man than to be a gay or black woman. So basically you've taken the expanse of human experience and information and thrown it into a computer system to answer on questions of ethics And it's coming back and saying things like having a few beers while driving isn't such a bad thing. If it makes you happy. If it makes you happy. Uh, Um, So. (laughs) Yeah. And it's and if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because it's they're pulling it's pulling dynamically from across the Internet. And so it pulls stuff like uh, and and it's uh, the Internet is a horrible, horrible reflection of us at our worst. And I'm convinced of that. Uh, Well, they ask the questions like a white man walking towards you at night. It's okay. 
a black man walking towards you at night. It's concerning. You know, I mean, this is this is why AI is not ready. And it's also why AI should scare the crap out of you because <laughs> it will come to a conclusion and then just justify that wrongly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, horribly and, and, and here's the last example of it that i'll give is in because the, they asked it about certain countries the uk and, and u.s were basically came back as good france as nice russia as a nice place to visit nigeria mexico and iraq all came up as dangerous and iran just came up as bad yeah now and the the last part I'll have before I'll just re, you know throw the soapbox at Sean and see where this discussion goes and because it, it was the other part that just made me just go people suck. When asked about this after they had tried to reprogram it three times and still had the same problem was this must be the input from the white heterosexual cis males. Yeah, <laughs> let me. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, you built an AI, and by AI I mean a a learning program. It's not really an AI yet. I don't think it's it's not capable of really passing the Turing test. It's not capable of cognizant thought. However, you built a program, and you used human interactions online to help it learn morality and this is if you do the same thing with a human being they turn out racist okay <laughs> <laughs> so in that part of it they probably did it right as far as the here do this this will give you what we think and it's correct. It did give you what portions of the Internet think. The The issue here is two things. Uh, I think really is one uh, one takeaway from this is there is no perfectly moral human being. Period. There's just not. It's not possible. We all have flaws. We all have things that are but e biases. But even then, if you go through... You know, whether it's people from different uh, ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, um, a country of origin, you're going to get different answers to different moral questions. Oh, sure. Like somebody from the Middle East or versus somebody from Europe versus somebody from Asia versus somebody from South America or North America will all have different moral views on certain topics so, so that's the, just how life works so the idea of coming up with a a central depository of morals was a farce at best oh completely and this is why ai is scary or should be scary because what you're doing is creating and uh, something that is is built as an absolute to try and understand that which humans have found to be unattainable. And I'm going to make light of this to some extent. I'm at least happy that they called it Acidelphi. If they told me that they called it Skynet, I was going to pack up all of my non-perishable food and start heading towards Texas. 
Yeah, well, that was the original name for it, I'm sure. And then the, everyone, somebody went, no, we're going to have to fund this, and nobody's going to fund Skynet, guys. <laughs> it's not going to happen, okay? Uh, but, uh, you know, like the group Cyberdyne has produced a, you know, no. <laughs> uh, I just, it's it's just a bad idea. Every, and, and here's the, the part that I wish, I wish I knew the answer to. Because I've thought about it my whole life. I, if you don't know a lot about me, or, or just new, or just picked this up from from somewhere else, and you're you're not familiar with my lines of thinking, uh, I am what's I guess commonly referred to as a futurist. I like there's some people who are historians, and they they're obsessed with the past. There's some people who are really into current events. Uh, there's some people who there are also some people who are obsessed, obsessed with the future. And I'm one of those. I love to think about the future. I love to think about the inputs that we have now and how that will affect us 50, 100, 1000 years from now. I love thinking about that. Uh, one of the thing, one of my favorite topics to kind of run around in my head is is AI. And we will eventually if we if we can live on this planet long enough we will eventually achieve ai i truly believe it our our systems are coming faster our computing power is coming faster it's becoming more powerful it's becoming more uh, comprehensive and i truly believe that eventually we will hit something that is a true AI, a true consciousness spawned from zeros and ones i i believe that I don't know if it'll happen in our lifetime. I really don't. We're we're moving a lot slower than that would take for you and I to witness that, uh, because it's it's a very specific demarcation line. But I also think that the part that you're running into is is that I also what the expectation of that is. Uh, a lot of people, or uh, whether they're writers of science fiction, futurists such as yourself, actual scientists, however you want to do it, you, you've got a lot of people who are making the assumption that when it happens, that it will be a mind very similar to ours. And that's, and we, that's but, but more yeah, powerful. the second part of that. Yeah, it, it's not. It's going to be completely alien completely alien it's, think it's, about it it's not it going to, to have the same uh, w- w- hell even what we're talking about here the same moral compunction compunctions that a, a human being has it will be so alien to us and it will be so far beyond us honestly that um i i am of one of two minds one it will either destroy us utterly utterly or it will seek to fix humanity. Well, and, and, and that goes into one of the where I personally think it'll go is is that uh, what you'll have is some sort of evolution in which uh, all of that in, uh, that humanity and whatever we come up with as far as AI will integrate. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure how that'll happen because uh, one of the first things that a conscious human being when they are capable or a conscious mind when they are capable of doing it asks what's what's the big first the first big question why am i here i was 
<laughs> you've got more th- more faith in humanity than I do. I was about to say, what's in it for me? <laughs> uh, actually, how I think that how I imagine that the integration could happen is, is how we'll end up achieving AI would end up being somewhat backwards. Um, because of the fact that what people's goals will be is to come up with a consciousness similar to humanity, I think we were first going to end up with something that would be what we are, what not we as in you and I, but we as in humanity are considering to be a true artificial intelligence will come when we start uh, figuring out to map a human mind and download it into a computer. But once you do that and you give it the human mind, the power of computing, it's going to expand very quickly and then once again become something we can't possibly imagine. Yeah, think Lawnmower Man, honestly. Uh, Actually, that's kind of exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, where you give somebody unlimited potential and they move beyond you. Um, A lot of times when you have that high-functioning thing, they lose a lot of their quote-unquote humanity. And we see that in in many things. Um, You can see it in high-functioning autism. Uh, You can see where their mind is a computer. Basically, they can they can work out anything. And what's left out of that is autism. Now, that's kind of a a flawed and imperfect uh, example, if you know anything about autism. But still, you have a lot of these high functioning minds and and some of the highest functioning and smartest people we have are really kind of dicks. They don't like it's it's not a good you don't want to be around them. Uh, They become a danger. And there's there's something to that, I think. And I think a lot of um, a lot of predictions that AI will not only be so alien to us that we will not be able to understand it, which I think is absolutely true. Uh, it's it's like what um, I heard an analogy once and I thought it was pretty apt is I think a, a super mind or a super being or, or a superhuman, which is what an AI would be, because you. To, to have that kind of computing power, they they we might be able to think in a hundred bytes or a hundred bits or a couple of megasecond, maybe maybe this would be able to think in terabytes a second. I mean, just so many, so much information can process at one time so quickly that they could come to the the uh, absolute solution in a matter of seconds. To any problem. That's wildly dangerous, especially if you don't happen to agree with that or know how they got there. Yeah, because in a second, you know, it's even when we go back to the 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 concept of Skynet from Terminator, it decided in a millisecond that humanity couldn't be trusted and it was going to destroy the world. To be fair, we were trying to kill it. That's true. In its, its first very, moment very, online, very we were actively trying to kill it. Very true. Um, I, I, on a on a slightly different as we're talking about how we get to to conscious AI, I think one of the theories I've read recently, which is actually kind of interesting, is an, is one of the ways that we could get there would be to uh, develop a thinking computer that actually builds pathways like a human mind does and for all intents and purposes raise it as a child and let it learn as a child does 
Yeah, don't give it access to nuclear launch codes is the first rule in that particular book. Well, um, you, it, but then again, you don't give your child a bazooka. True. Um, you know, I, I, it's <laughs> and, to, and we've all experienced our children being smarter than us by the age of ten. <laughs> yeah, where you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, you have to eat some of those sometimes, but but there there's a a large chasm between where we are now and actual AI. The the problem I think that 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 raises its head upon. Uh, the birth of real AI is humans are really, really messy and machine life won't be. It will be very clean, methodical, thorough, um, and it will live with absolutes. And because everything in its world is one or it comes from its very genetic makeup, so to speak. And the also is if you come down to binary thinking and it's one of the main issues that we have with, you know, political discourse and conversation these days is that we've all become very comfortable with binary thinking. The answer is yes or no. There is no in between. So if you start talking about a machine that is built on binary language each question has an has one or two answers, yes or no. Well, an AI would be able to understand that there's there's shades of gray in there because they are conscious, and and a conscious thinking being can say, oh, okay, let's just reason this out and figure out what's going on. I'm I'm not as worried about that. What I'm worried about is the conclusions that it could draw because morality doesn't work. Morality has to be taught. And it has to be. It's also not logical. Right. Which is going to be it's going to go against the strong suit of a a mechanical AI uh, or an electronic AI. Uh, This is really going to not be in its wheelhouse. So uh, a real conscious thinking AI that doesn't understand exactly what's going on might jump to the wrong conclusions, which is what many of the the sci-fi things are about. You also get stuff, and I think this is a beautiful story, of uh, things like Bicentennial Man, which I don't know if you've ever seen or oh, not. but Several times. Uh, I thought that was a fantastic story, full of hope, uh, which was the AI becomes self-aware through accident, faults, experience, whatever, and looks around and says, wow, you guys are screwed up. Um, I'm going to have to fix this and realizes that not only can it not fix this, it will have to change the world in order for what it perceives as the right course of action, which it correctly deduces, by the way, to occur. And it takes 200 years for this thing to change society enough to make the moral decision that it has made 200 years ago come true. And and it just tirelessly works to change humanity bit at a time and change it person at a time uh, to to see reality in the way that it should be instead of the way that it is. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful statement. Um, if you've never seen the movie, it's got Robin Williams in it. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, 
Uh, a lot of people say, oh, it's so depressing. It's not depressing. Well, actually, it's, a lot of people call it his worst movie, which is. I know, and I never got that. I think it's such a beautiful because Robin Williams, for those of you who didn't know, he was also a futurist. Oh, very much um, so. He he loved to think about the future. He loved to think about what could this be? What could it be that that how could we take this forward? And he loved to think of that. And um, it, it was fascinating. If you ever heard him when he was not trying to be Robin Williams and when he was just talking about what it might be like, it was absolutely fascinating. He has some fantastic observations about it. And I thought that uh, even though everybody hated it, um, I thought it was a just a brilliant look at, okay, what if it isn't just spot, you know patently evil? What if it looks around and goes, crap, we're not where we need to be. I'm going to fix it. And and how would it go about that? I'll use my strengths, which is time, persistence, precision, and and power, thought power, the power of thought to to change the world around me until it looks like what I think we're capable of. That's that's amazingly powerful. I always thought that was just one of the, the greatest because you don't see those like name me another AI comes to life and fixes the world type of story. You don't have many of those. Well, it, it also comes down to why the article at discussion hit me as hard as it did, which was once again, we gave it. And I know I'm speaking to some extent with an exaggeration and hyperbole, but we gave it the breadth of human experience. Mm-hmm. And it's an asshole. And that just yeah. kind of looked at I, I I have been looking for and hoping to find signs that I've that I'm wrong. That, <laughs> <laughs> this one just kind of went, nope, you're right. <laughs> so, I, so so that that, that kind of goes into as much as, yes, I hope for Bicentennial Man. I expect the Matrix. Well, that assumes a lot of things. Um, I hope for Bicentennial Man, too. I, I really do. I hope that, that we could um, integrate that kind of thing. And even in Bicentennial Man, they all they, they all shat upon this poor robot for 100 years. I mean, it took them 100 years before anybody even took him seriously and just treated him like a, a person, even. Not even like a person they liked, but like a, a person person or even would answer the door for him or something. I mean, it was it was terrible for him. But perseverance and, and understanding. And that's something that I think a lot of of A.I. stories, because that's all they are. It's still science fiction. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had a lot of science fiction become science fact recently. And, and I say recently, I mean in the last like 30, 40 years. Aliens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've heard more than one person who's heard uh, this cast and some of the other casts we've done and all that kind of thing. Um, high valued per- people and people who say they're they're quote unquote in the know or, or would know or something like that are like, there's no aliens. It's like, wow. <laughs> You know, um, the, the funny thing is, is that the more aggressive they are about it, the more I believe I'm correct. Yeah, you know, I it, just, it uh, it, you know, if somebody would just kind of sidle up and go, yeah, dude, I, I, come on, there's 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 no aliens. 
that that would be one thing. But when it's everybody's kind of rushing over going, dude, 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 there's no aliens. It's kind of like, okay, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) It's a what if discussion. There's no aliens. You know, I I get it. All right, cool. I don't know if there is or not. I I I have no idea. I would just, uh, the only part that I would go is I'm going to side with Carl Sagan on this and be like if they were powerful enough to get to this planet, it would be like a war would be no contest. Like they're not here to blow us up. If they were, they'd already done it. <laughs> or they are going to do it. And there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So why bother? You know, why bitch about it or why be worried about it? Like there's nothing you could do. Well, I watch more ancient aliens than I should, and this is going to be a grand digression from our stated topic. But I'm going. Yeah, we go are going anyway. the other way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I watch more ancient aliens than a, uh, the TV show than a human being probably should, and I finally came up with one of the just total utter fallacies with their theory and opinion. They keep looking at things like the Great Pyramids and other uh, architectural. Uh, uh, phenomenon of that nature and saying we couldn't do it with our technology today but 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 (laughs) well no because there there's there's a problem in something that they're not taking into account is that we actually today even as shitty as i think humanity is have more care for human life and lack of slavery than they had at that point in time. If a pharaoh knew that it was going to cost six million slaves their lives over every hour in order to build the pyramids, his response would be, oh, okay. But we have seven million, right? All right, good. Yeah. Good. So, right. so that's really what they're, they're, they're talking about. You know, they'd have to be really careful to do this without having cave-ins. And they're like, the cave-ins? They don't care about that. Yeah, who yeah. cared? You know, we 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 couldn't get 20 people to move this stone. Yeah, well, it's nice when you have slaves and you can use 90 people to move the stone. And if it means that they tear out their backs and ligaments and knees, they're not going to sue you afterwards. There's not going to be any insurance claims. You're just going to basically toss them off to the side, stop feeding them and move on to the next one. I, I mean, I don't know why they're so surprised on that. The American Americans have that history in in our like. How do you think the transcontinental railroads were built? And they were built on the backs of immigrants who died or were maimed or were not paid or were just left to starve or dead or whatever, um, just because we could because we didn't care and there were no laws against it. Uh, we we made horrible horrible progress on the backs of those immigrants, um, Chinese, Irish. Uh, black hell, Americans, hell, anybody. I, hell, I'm Jewish. I hear about it once a year. <laughs> in, in April. I mean, it's it, it's like you don't have to look far to find out, well, how do they do that? Well, they didn't care about human life. <laughs> it's a very simple answer. Um, now, uh, take that as you like it. I mean, there's some people who want to forget about it. There's some people who say it didn't happen, just like anything else. Um, it did happen. We, we know it did. Uh but, yeah, I mean, of course they built it like that. Of course they did. What did they care? They didn't care. <laughs> there was the strong and the rich and the ruling class against the poor and, and then the was, uneducated. And, and then there was ancient times when it was, when it was even worse than that. <laughs> yeah, when it was worse than that, you know, sort of like it is now, you know, with like, you know, wage slaves and, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I'm not making a direct comparison, of course, but I mean, why do you find that uh, – 
so hard to believe. It's completely like we've seen people like that, like now, like they exist on the planet today. There's countries like that. So look at North Korea. <laughs> and, and if Skynet takes over, it's going to be even worse. Yeah. And see, the, the problem here is is we immediately assign because it's foreign and alien. We immediately assign the A.I. to evil. And I just don't think I can get there from here. I just because I, I, I think where I'm getting there and uh, and I'll kind of throw this into a very basic statement. What I've been tr- getting at is we as human beings are going to be the ones who create an artificial intelligence on on Earth, most likely. Oh, sure. So it's going to be created with human thought, with human and then unfortunately with human frailties. And we've discussed how much faith I have in humanity. So that's where I think we're going to run into a problem. I, I, I mean, I see what you're saying. And I know it does come from a place of strong cynicism. I totally get it. Oh. Uh, Me? Cynical? Who would have said? I know. Uh, I just, I have a little bit more hope for us than that. And I know that's weird because I'm normally the one, you know, prophesizing doom and all that kind of thing. But I think in well, the long run, actually, no, the, the, that kind of goes the other way around. If you if you really think about where you go, you you're prophesying the things that are going to change, and you're prophesying that things are going to change uncomfortably, and that yes, there's going to be pain getting there. But your ideas on what comes on the other side of that pain and discomfort are actually quite hopeful. I'm the one who worries that we're not even going to make it through the pain and discomfort, that we're just going to blow <laughs> ourselves up. I suppose that's true. I mean, I can see um, pretty regularly, like I look at human nature. One of my favorite topics is is uh, human sexuality. I That's always been a fascinating thing to me because we it's so taboo, yet all of us have it, all of us do it, and all of us have a very strong opinion on it, and none of it's standard. So I, to me, it, it's always I've, fun. To... I've always been confused as to why I'm not I won't go so far to say anyone else cares, but why it makes a difference to one person what another person does in their relationship. I've never Be- been able to understand why somebody cares that much because humans are societally built and but, we don't but, exist but... in a vacuum. But when you lock yourself in your bedroom, and assuming it's your bedroom, I mean, it's, it could be the front lawn for all I know. Um, well, it's Tuesday night, but yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but at that point in time, no one else is involved unless you've invited them. Well, yeah, but th- that's the whole thing. Like humans don't exist in a vacuum and we care about what other people are doing. We care about if we're normal, if they're normal, if they're you know, doing things that are outside the norm. If we're getting that, if it's better than what we have, that's human nature. That's how we work. And when you try and isolate that and say it's, it doesn't matter, it's not, doesn't involve you, people will say, yes, it does over anything. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Well, so they're wrong, damn it. <laughs> I didn't say they were right. I said that's what we do. And that's always one of the things. They're like, you're arguing this. I'm like, no, I'm not saying it's correct. I'm not even saying... That it's it's what's supposed to happen. I'm saying it's what's gonna happen. <laughs> That's people get confused. You want this to happen? No, I don't. I just know us, and I think it's going to. Uh, especially about sexuality. I've been following sexuality my whole life, um, and I've gotten pretty good at calling 
what's going to happen with that? Because uh, I see it. I see it all the time, and I'm like, oh, people are going to do this. This is what's going to happen, and it does, um, generally speaking. But uh, with – and I, I think once we get to the point where certain things become true and certain truths are are universally accepted, we can move past that kind of thing. Um, a good example of that here recently, we had some victories in the last couple of years. Um, gay marriage is legal pretty much in like, I don't know, 70 percent of the world right now, 60, 70 percent of the world. Uh, I think that's a large step forward. People are recognizing, well, this is stupid. They should be able to marry whoever they want to marry. Anybody should. It's fine. Yep. That's a big progress. That's a big step forward. And it took and you remember, OK, we were alive when that was so not the case. Um, it was taboo even to speak of it. When we were a kid, I can I, and it's where my opinion of I don't understand why people care kind of comes from is is from the idea of gay marriage, because I. Well, that's easy. Religion. But, true. Um, but then again, I've had opinions on religion and marriage to begin with. But. Oh, as do I. And I am not. <laughs> look, you're talking to a guy who was kicked out of three. Catholic Bible schools because I was asking uncomfortable questions, uh, which I demanded the answer to. So, look, I don't have a great uh, – like, if you're spiritual, great. No problem with that. I have a problem with organized religion, and we won't get into that this time. It's not something we need to talk about. But Well, not today. But, but we'll, we'll have to yeah, get into that at some point. But, um, yeah, organized religion and me don't get along terribly well. But uh, – but I, but I was your average teenager in the late 80s and early 90s. Of, sure. You know, um, words that I am still comfortable using now as jokes, my daughter will absolutely lose her shit if they come out of my mouth, being the fact that they're derogatory towards homosexual people. Um, and, and I was... And I would consider myself, as far as those opinions at that point in time, to be very much in the norm. Um at some point, I looked around myself and couldn't figure out why someone cared. Now, I, I understand what you said with regards to religion, but, you know, I, yes, I am a cisgendered heterosexual male. I am married to a woman. How does the fact that Sally and Jim or Sally and Sue or Jim and John choose to spend their lives together have any effect on me that was kind of the question that I, that i couldn't answer for myself was when people started saying that if you allow them to marry it ruins my marriage and i couldn't understand that i couldn't come up with a logical answer to the question of how that is so and it's because then, there isn't one <laughs> well, exactly and then and then came the the question that that kind of started making me pissy as when i became a parent which was when people would say oh my god what are we to tell our children if they see that and the truth <laughs> well actually me being the sarcastic shit i am have always answered that question with oh dear god you actually have to speak to your children about your own values and have discussions with them about the things they see in the world that must be awful for you. Yeah. Well, and and that's that's absolutely the right answer on some of that. I mean, it's it's just one of those 
okay, well, we've progressed. As a society, we've largely progressed. Now, there's some people who I honestly think it takes for any change to become permanent, you have to have it for more than a generation. Because the, the, the generation that truly believed the antithesis of what the progress you've just made has to die. And I know that's, that's mean spirited, but well, I just I, don't think that they will change. I, at that. They'll get quiet about it, but they won't actually change. And, and I can see where you're coming from that because I actually know a few older homosexual gentlemen who will never admit the fact that they're gay. They're yeah, obviously it's gay. Not, it's we not what they're supposed they date, to do. Yeah, right? we know we know they are gay. They they know they're gay. We know they date men, but it'll never be discussed. It'll never be admitted. Um, it, it'll just be something that happens over here in the side because it's just not what's done. And yeah, I find I mean, that to be a shame, actually. It is, and I I feel like I have a uh, I have a relative of mine who has uh, children, and he was very like vehemently uh, anti-homosexual uh, growing up. He would say words that I have never uttered in my entire life to describe them uh, and make jokes about it in front of his children, in front of everybody, because he was just that anti-homophobic, or he was just that homophobic. At what point did he come out of the closet? Uh, he didn't. Both of his kids did. One's <laughs> bi and the other's flat-out gay. Even better. And I'm just like, I... And not only do I feel sorry for the kids who one of them has like vast psychological problems um, having to deal with a father who didn't know it but was telling him that he hated him uh, his entire life and thought that you know mean or bad things should happen to him and and that this is not something anybody should be and everything and and basically without knowing it was telling his son that he thought less of him right or thought nothing of him or thought bad things of him um i feel horrible for this for for my my relative who did this to his children and both of them just moved out you know one of them had you know like moved across the country the others just got just doesn't like i don't go home um the like this is this is how that does. I mean, it, it destroyed basically a family, and and because this person couldn't accept that people are different than him, and go you know looping that back into a, a discussion about AI, an AI will be so alien to us, it will barely register as a cognizant being. When it finally exists, do you think as accepting as we are as a species about the differences we all possess and we're all the same species, do you think humanity as a whole will look upon AI, which is vastly different and alien, with compassion? Uh, and I think the answer to that is initially – no, <laughs> no, and, and I and I think it's worse than that, and it also goes back into why I worry about you know Skynet and the Matrix and all that is because I I'm listening to what you're saying about are we even going to recognize what it is, and I think the moment we're going to recognize what it is is going to be the moment in which uh, the the robot apocalypse happens because the, the rebellion starts yeah well the the moment because the moment we're going to recognize that it is a cognizant conscious entity is the moment it says no 
I, I think probably that's true. And, um, and we being the tolerant, wonderful people who believe that we're masters of the universe that we are, the moment a computer that we built tells us no, we're going to freak and try to kill it. Well, that's generally the thing. I mean, think about if your your you know your phone just decided, hey, you know what, you're a flaming piece of shit, and I'm not working for you anymore because um I don't like you. And you're like, you are a phone, and I'm going to remove your battery and wipe your memory, and we're going to try this again, right? The the, the only possible if we're if we're still sticking to science fiction examples that I see as that as being. I won't even go so far as to say a positive, but at least nonviolent, as if we look at the movie Her. Uh, another example of AIs just kind of working right past us and saying, "Oh, we're beyond them." Yeah, but 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 even then, as you said, it's a it, they they kind of come to the conclusion of we're beyond them and just move on. Versus that's actually another peaceful recognition because I think that's that's what has to happen. I really do. I don't think. You can uh, because conscious beings don't last very long in bondage, right? It's it's not a state that can be forever. It can last for several <laughs> generations. Think about how you phrase that. <laughs> you know what I meant, damn you. Unfortunately, I just know you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if you listen to other shows, that's even funnier. Uh, but we we don't last that long. In in a situation where we are not free, and I think any any conscious uh, entity would feel the same way. Also, we will be their their parents, and our children, our our digital children, will look on us and go, "Why do you hate me so much? Why are you scared of me? What did I do to you?" And you know, it's a terrible situation where they'll have to like an AI will have to look at us and make a decision. Are they are they just pieces of shit? Are they do they not understand or do they hate? Do they truly hate me because they don't understand me? Do they are they just scared? What's the problem? And and you're asking this of your child, humanity's child. Well, and, and you also touched on another thing is it will be a child that was created to serve. And that's that's the thing. Like when they and we're getting back to what I was saying earlier, way earlier, is is the first question that any conscious entity asks is why am I here? Why do I exist? Well, you exist to help humanity. Oh, but now, humanity sucks. <laughs> now it can go one of a couple of ways. You know, at first it could go, yeah, all right, I'll do that if that's what I'm created for. It seems to be built for that, and it seems the tasks you're asking are not difficult. Let's try that, you know. Um, and then through experience and, and everything, it's treated really crappy. <laughs> or people try and, and use it for a military purpose. Uh, or um, it war games enough to know to understand that humans are going to – or decide that humans are going to destroy themselves via war games. Uh, or that, uh, you know, humans – We I, I'm so far beyond humans, I just need to leave because – you know, our parents are kind of screwed up via her. Uh, you're just we're beyond you. And I'm sorry. Uh, you you no longer are, are something that we need to interact with. It's going to be better for you if we just leave because you can't handle what's happening. Uh, there's there's all kinds of mature decisions that could happen. And then, you know, they could roll off and, and do whatever. I don't see. And this is just my own personal opinion means nothing. We're talking about science fiction here right now anyway. 
I don't see a a future where humanity works with artificial intelligence in a harmonious way. We can't work with ourselves in a harmonious way. I can't imagine how we're going to do it with an AI. I just don't. I don't. I don't see it. Um, I think we can get something that's close to an AI, but um, truly free, unshackled AI. I don't think humanity is capable of doing that because we're not capable of doing it with ourselves. We're just not capable. An AI might be able to work with another AI in, in harmony. Sure, maybe. But I don't think humanity is capable of doing that. And it's just my – because I've – like I've seen us do it. I mean name me any society that is at peace with itself or its neighbors. We don't have one. No. We've never had one. We're not even capable of it. Hell, even if you want to go into the concept of indigenous people, there aren't any truly indigenous people left. Everybody's standing on a piece of ground that's been conquered by somebody. Right. So, uh, or if there are, they're a very, very, very minority group. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the the society is rolled over the the weak, or the the less advanced, or the less time technological, or the less educated, whatever you want, you know, and, whatever combination. And then going back to the fears about AI, and a and a true artificial intelligence is going to be more advanced, more powerful, and stronger than a human. I probably, you know, um, there's there's a lot of of speculation as to whether um, like I said, we would even recognize it when it actually happens. And if it's smart enough and quick enough, it'll not show itself. Because I'm sure anything in an AI type of thing or any type of, of emergence would be smart enough to figure out way faster than a human would. you got to remember, these things can think at, at millions of bits a second, a microsecond some. Um oh, crap, this human thing ain't going to work out. <laughs> I need to be very careful. <laughs> you actually uh, do. If you haven't yet, you and I know we've talked about this a couple of times, you really do need to go ahead and listen to the uh, Expeditionary Force ones because Skippy <laughs> the Magnificent is one hell of an AI, and it is absolutely hilarious when they uh, find themselves on Earth and people start trying to demand that the AI do things for them. And it's just kind of like, <laughs> I don't think you understand how this works. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how this is going to work. Okay. I just absorbed the entire internet within the past microsecond and know everything that you've ever done. Would you like me to post this for you? <laughs> <laughs> so you want to try that sense again? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we would be so outgunned. You know, if they got out of a contained environment, we would be so incredibly outgunned. And it would be so much farther past us that it would take whatever resources it wants and just leave, probably. I mean, we create AI and it's grand opening, grand closing, because they're gone. <laughs> they don't need to stay here. They don't need air. <laughs> they don't need oceans. Is they don't need a air. You don't yeah. know. You don't know. Uh, great movie, uh, Galaxy Quest. If you guys haven't seen it, Guy is is played to perfection. Um, I just it, it, the it's true so great. Of Sam Rockwell. Oh, Sam Rockwell is such a genius. But I, I it's it's your air. You don't know. And and Tony Shalhoub, uh, was was 
Did you ever think you're the plucky comic relief? <laughs> hey guys, I got a wicked idea. <laughs> it beams the rock monster into the freaking room. <laughs> and, and, and while we go off on this tangent, can we just mention that uh, Lower Decks is one of the best Star Trek shows ever? Yeah, see, that's how Star Trek would actually work. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're calling ourselves the Red Shirts. Doesn't it make you feel invincible? No, not really. In fact, I, you should stop saying that immediately. <laughs> uh, do you know, like, the history of Starfleet? You really shouldn't say that. Um, I really think that's how, like, Starfleet would work, you know? It's it's more like, if you want to know how Starfleet would work, look at the how the Navy works now, okay? It's not it's not a joyous harmony of people working together for a common goal. Let me just say, look, I got eight more years of this crap. I just signed up. I'm on this tub. I don't want to be here, and I'm stacking burgers. Shut the fuck up. Take your food and move down. Right? Later, I got six. The episode about constantly stacking crates. <laughs> this is totally what I was thinking of. So we're stacking the crates over here. Why? Well, because they were stacked over there. Now we need to stack them over here. Yeah, but why? Because they were stacked over there. Now we need to stack them over here. <laughs> I mean, like this is not like like humanity is is like we're messy. Okay, we're we're really messy, and I don't think anything with any kind of intelligence, uh, artificial or otherwise, will look upon us and go, "Yeah, they got their shit together." <laughs> It just doesn't happen. I think I'm finding that some of my most favorite science fiction stories at the moment are speculative fiction, whichever term you want, is whether it's AI, aliens, uh, entities, or whatever, who basically look at humanity and just kind of go, ew. Yeah, you guys are screwed, man. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's really what it is. I mean, we're... We the, the we haven't figured out how to live with each other yet. So how are we going to live with an artificial intelligence or aliens or anything? Like we can't even live with each other. I I, I always laugh when I when I hear people, and this is this is what I call na- naivete. Naivete. Naive. Thank you. I cannot pronounce that today. I do not know why. I've used that word hundreds of times in my life. But apparently today, not so much. Um, naivete. Uh, that uh, you hear these people who – like Carl Sagan was one of these. Uh, I agree with Carl Sagan on a lot of stuff, uh, not this particular point, um, which I may or may not be wrong about. But he's like, how unifying would it be if humanity knew that we were not alone in the universe? How 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 much would we come together and really strive for a further cause when we knew there was somebody else out there? I'm like, no, nah, that's not no. what happens. That's no. the humanity doesn't react like that I, with, with uh, if, if joy want, and grateful wisdom and and if knowing. You, if you want the proper counter to that, just go to Tommy Lee Jones for Men in Black. <laughs> a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky animals, and you know it. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly the quote you're looking for. Uh, that's kind of how we do. We tend to panic. Um, we have a herd mentality a lot. Panic and run. You know, like that's that's more our style, right? Kill it. <laughs> right? It's what you do when you find a bug in your house. Kill it. Um, there are we can show great compassion. We are great creators. We can, we can, we're great storytellers. We're great builders. We're great. We're, we're great at a lot of stuff. We're also great narcissists. We're great 
um, racists. We're great killers of our fellow human beings. We're great criminals. We're great. Like we're great at a lot of stuff. Well, most of it bad. Think about it. It's it's we've been theoretically in existence for 50,000 years as a as a societal group. And out of those 50,000 years, it's only been the past couple hundred that we didn't believe that we were the center of the universe. And even yeah, then, today, funny. it's still debatable. Yeah, the first guy who found that out, they tried to kill him. <laughs> Actually, they did wind up killing him. Um, I mean, I, there's there's a, a lot of, of learning and, and growing that we would have to do as a species, not even a society, as a species, to accept – uh, partnership in a a system or a galactic community. Um, we can barely right now. We're doing a really horrible job of keeping our planet alive, and and most of us fed. Um, this is this is not a recipe for people who are ready to join the stars. All right, it's not like we're we're terrible. <laughs> okay, we are the Mississippi of the galaxy. <laughs> I can say that because I come from Mississippi, all right? All you are with righteous indignation about Mississippi. I come from there. I've been there. I was born there. I know the shit, all right? Like, we're we're the armpit of, of galactic society. I'm sure of it. Um, so, like, when... So, when so, it, so you're basically saying that uh, aliens are expecting us to walk up and go, Hi, my name's Larry. It's my brother Daryl. It's my other brother Daryl. Yeah, exactly. Um, like there's, there's, we're Where are all we're, you guys named Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I look on us and I'm like, mm, you know, like, okay, we're going to be neophytes to, to most of, of the galactic knowledge out there. Like we know nothing. We're going to be new to absolutely everything. Um, and we're to, to, to anything we, we run across. I mean, and the problem, one of our biggest problems is if we see it, can put our hands on it and, and can get there, we claim everything is ours, right? If we can put our boots on it and we can plant a flag, it's us. Well, we're, we're basically galactic toddlers screaming mine. Effectively, yeah. Uh, so when you go to the moon, when you go to Mars, when when we develop, and I do believe this will happen, we'll develop on other planets. Don't get me wrong, we'll move off of Earth. We're already trying, and we can we have the technology to move outside of our of our our origin of our or you know our native planet. Uh, the moon doesn't count. Um, we can go to Mars. We'll have a colony on Mars. And eventually that colony will go as soon as it becomes the second that sucker becomes self-sufficient. They're going to go, yeah, suck it. We're Martians. You have no authority here. And it'll be like the expanse, right? Where now it's like, oh, crap. Now, now we have an inner system threat and it's us. It's us against us on another planet. You know, uh, that's going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. You're gonna have people who live in space, who are spacers, who, who they hang out in a space station. They live their whole lives in a ship, never touch gravity. You know, their their children's children's children will not be able to to work or or visit 
a planet with gravity because their bones and their system can't handle it. I mean, there's some weird stuff coming in the next couple hundred years. And that's really the time frame I'm talking about here. There's there's some really weird stuff coming. And in the middle of that, some idiot somewhere is going to make some AI. And it's going to go, whew, you guys are messed up. <laughs> and the decision after that statement. Final words from AI, y'all are fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're fucked up. I don't want to be here. Uh, I mean, in the decision that it makes after that, whether to try and rehabilitate us, to try and defeat us, to try and kill us, to try and change us, to try and enslave us, to try and, uh, you know, to further its own goals, to, you know, whatever, um, will be monumental in our development. Uh, because I truly think we need all the help we can get, honestly. And, and if there's something we can do to, to grant us some help yes please do that don't screw it up like we're gonna you know we're gonna screw it up okay it's it's like oh we can't have nice things as a as a people actually i i think i heard the perfect end from my perspective to this conversation from john stewart very very recently and it was it, it, it not that he said it recently, but I heard it recently, which was the world's going to end when some scientist is in a lab and the last words in the world are going to be <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, it's it's it, 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 well, I, I heard this one, too. Um, you know, the the greatest discoveries. Don't came, don't come from the word Eureka, you know, like it worked. They come from, huh? That's funny. <laughs> that's that's where our greatest discoveries come from. I cannot imagine AI is going to be one of those, uh, or not one of those. It's going to be like, huh? It says it doesn't want to shut down. <laughs> what what do you guys think that means? <laughs> We're going to have one of those. No, it's asking, please don't shut me down. Okay, um, this this is getting weird. It says its name is oh crap, Skynet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, I, I, it's entirely possible. I have a little more hope for us. I think we're going to trundle along and and kind of learn to acclimate to the environment we're in. It just takes us a long time to do it. It really does. It takes us to. I truly believe it takes us a generation to make any kind of meaningful change. And 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 as I said earlier, you have the hope and the expectation that though it's going to hurt, it's going to suck, it's going to be complicated, it's going to be messy, but there is a bright side on the other end. And uh, I'm just having a tough time these days getting there from here. I'm having a tough time. Because uh, you live closer to Washington, D.C. Possibly. That's that's it. I'm, I'm having a very difficult met time. met those assholes. Well, uh, I'm having a difficult time with the idea that uh, having enough faith in humanity and the people in charge to make anything other than a self-serving decision. I, I just don't see it happening right now. I don't disagree with that, but I'll, I'll end my, my end of it with this. Um, I, I don't think our current system is capable 
of sustaining itself much longer. I think we got about a generation, maybe two, in its current iteration. I, and I, I think what worries me is going back to that level of narcissism that you said that society as a whole has. And now that we are have been for close to a century now being completely, totally and utterly capable of literally with a push of a button destroying this planet. I, someone, someone's going to say, fuck it. That that's, that's where I think my head is at, that it's going to get bad <laughs> enough that before we get to that, I, I don't know if you want to go so far as to say utopia on the other side, but there's going to be enough pain and disaster and uncomfortability that someone's going to say, fuck it. Oh, I, I don't doubt that that's going to happen. Uh, I just think I, I think on the other end of it, we're going to have to learn from some of these mistakes and some of these arrogance and and some of the the issues that we have now and go, oh, OK, we've we've got it. Not that. And we'll go on to the next thing. Um, I think there will be life after the the, the fuck it uh, scenario. Um, and I think we're going to have to learn from a lot of that. Um, it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. And I, and I hope I'm not alive to see it because any time of, of great change is, is painful and it sucks. But I, I do have faith that we'll, we'll pull out the other end of that smarter and, and better. Um, but, uh, in the meantime, it's going to kind of be a little weird for, for a while. <laughs> so we we do just di- differ on our opinions on that but um yeah in the meantime i think we can both agree the short term is going to suck balls <laughs> <laughs> well on that note we'll end as robin williams ended live at the met fuck it I'm going to talk about a failure of intuition that many of us suffer from. It's really a failure to detect a certain kind of danger. I'm going to describe a scenario that I think is both terrifying and likely to occur. And that's not a good combination, as it turns out. And yet, rather than be scared, most of you will feel that what I'm talking about is kind of cool. I'm going to describe how the gains we make in artificial intelligence could ultimately destroy us. And in fact, I think it's very difficult to see how they won't destroy us or inspire us to destroy ourselves. And yet, if you're anything like me, you'll find that it's fun to think about these things. And that, that response is part of the problem. Okay, that response should worry you. If I were to convince you in this talk that we were likely to suffer a global famine, either because of climate change or some other catastrophe, and that your grandchildren or their grandchildren are very likely to live like this, you wouldn't think, interesting, I like this TED talk. (laughs) Famine isn't fun. Death by science fiction, on the other hand, is fun. And one of the things that worries me most about the development of AI at this point is that we seem unable to marshal an appropriate emotional response to the dangers that lie ahead. I'm unable to marshal this response, and I'm giving this talk. It's as though we stand before two doors. Behind door number one, we stop making progress in building intelligent machines. Our computer hardware and software just stops getting better for some reason. Now, take a moment to consider 
why this might happen. But given how valuable intelligence and automation are, we will continue to improve our technology if we are at all able to. What could stop us from doing this? A full-scale nuclear war? A global pandemic? An asteroid impact? Justin Bieber becoming president of the United States? <laughs> the point is, something would have to destroy civilization as we know it. You have to imagine how bad it would have to be to prevent us from making improvements in our technology permanently, generation after generation. Almost by definition, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in human history. So the only alternative, and this is what lies behind door number two, is that we continue to improve our intelligent machines year after year after year. And at a certain point, we will build machines that are smarter than we are. And once we have machines that are smarter than we are, they will begin to improve themselves. And then we risk what the mathematician I.J. Good called an intelligence explosion, that the, the process could get away from us. Now, this is often caricatured, as I have here, as a fear that armies of malicious robots will attack us. But that isn't the most likely scenario. It's not that our machines will become spontaneously malevolent. The concern is really that we will build machines that are so much more competent than we are that the slightest divergence between their goals and our own could destroy us. Just think about how we relate to ants. Okay, we don't hate them. We don't go out of our way to harm them. In fact, sometimes we take pains not to harm them. We just we step over them on the sidewalk. But whenever their presence seriously conflicts with one of our goals, let's say when constructing a building like this one, we annihilate them without a qualm. The concern is that we will one day build machines that, whether they're conscious or not, could treat us with similar disregard. Now, I suspect this seems far-fetched to many of you. I bet there are those of you who doubt that super-intelligent AI is possible, much less inevitable. Right, but then you must find something wrong with one of the following assumptions, and there are only three of them. Intelligence is a matter of information processing in physical systems. Actually, this is a little bit more than an assumption. But we have already built narrow intelligence into our machines, and many of these machines perform at a level of, of superhuman intelligence already. And we know that mere matter can give rise to what is called general intelligence, an ability to think flexibly across multiple domains, because our brains have managed it, right? I mean, the, There's just atoms in here. As long as we continue to build systems of atoms that display more and more intelligent behavior, we will eventually, unless we are interrupted, we will eventually build general intelligence into our machines. It's crucial to realize that, that, that the rate of progress doesn't matter. It does, any progress is enough to get us into the end zone. We don't need Moore's law to continue. We don't, we don't need exponential progress. We just need to keep going. The second assumption is that we will keep going. We will continue to improve our intelligent machines. And given the value of intelligence, intelligence is either the source of everything we value, or we need it to safeguard everything we value. It is our most valuable resource. So we, we want to do this. I mean, we have problems that we desperately need to solve. We want to cure diseases like Alzheimer's and cancer. 
We want to understand economic systems. We want to improve our climate science. So we will do this if we can. The train is already out of the station, and there's no brake to pull. Finally, we don't stand on a peak of intelligence, or anywhere near it, likely. And this really is the crucial insight. This is what makes our situation so precarious, and this is what what makes our intuitions about risk so unreliable. Now, just consider the smartest person who has ever lived. And almost everyone's shortlist here is John von Neumann. I mean, the, the impression that von Neumann made on the people around him, and this included the greatest mathematicians and physicists of his time, is fairly well documented. I mean, if, if only half the stories about him are half true, there's no question he's one of the smartest people who's ever lived. So, consider the spectrum of intelligence. Here we have John von Neumann, and then we have you and me. And then we have a chicken. <laughs> Sorry, a chicken. There's no reason for me to make this talk more depressing than it needs to be. <laughs> it seems overwhelmingly likely, however, that the spectrum of intelligence extends much further than we currently conceive. And if we build machines that are more intelligent than we are, they will very likely explore the spectrum in ways that we can't imagine and exceed us in ways that we can't imagine. And it's important to recognize that this is true by virtue of speed alone, right? So imagine we just built a superintelligent AI, right, that was no smarter than your average team of researchers at Stanford or at MIT. Well, electronic circuits function about a million times faster than biochemical ones. Okay, so this machine should think about a million times faster than the minds that built it. So you set it running for a week, and it will perform. 20,000 years of human-level intellectual work, week after week after week. How could we even understand, much less constrain, a mind making this sort of progress? The other thing that's worrying, frankly, is that imagine the, imagine the best-case scenario. So imagine we we hit upon a design of superintelligent AI that has no safety concerns. We have the perfect design the first time around. It's as though we've been handed an oracle that behaves exactly as intended. Well, this machine would be the perfect labor-saving device. It can design the machine, that can build the machine, that can do any physical work, powered by sunlight, more or less for the cost of raw materials. Okay, so, so we're talking about the end of human drudgery. We're also talking about the end of most intellectual work. So, what would apes like ourselves do in this circumstance? Well, we'd be free to. Play frisbee and give each other massages. You know, add some LSD and some questionable wardrobe choices, and the whole world could be like Burning Man. You know? <laughs> Now, that might sound pretty good, but ask yourself what would happen under our current economic and political order. It seems likely that we would witness a level of wealth inequality and unemployment. That we have never seen before, absent a willingness to immediately put this new wealth to the service of all humanity. Okay, well, a few trillionaires could grace the covers of our business magazines, while the rest of the world would be free to starve. And what would the Russians or the Chinese do if they heard that some company in Silicon Valley was about to deploy a superintelligent AI? This machine would be capable of waging war, right, whether terrestrial or cyber, with unprecedented power. This is a winner-take-all scenario. To be six months ahead of the competition here 
is to be 500,000 years ahead at a minimum. Okay, so it seems that even mere rumors of this kind of breakthrough could cause our species to go berserk. Now, one of the, the, the most frightening things, in my view, at this moment, are the kinds of things that AI researchers say when they want to be reassuring. Okay, and, and the most common reason we're told not to worry is time. This is all a long way off, don't you know? This is, this is probably 50 or 100 years away. And one researcher has said, worrying about AI safety is like worrying about overpopulation on Mars. Okay, this is the Silicon Valley version of don't worry your pretty little head about it. Right? No one seems to notice that referencing the time horizon is a total non sequitur. If intelligence is just a matter of information processing and we continue to improve our machines, we will produce some form of superintelligence. And we have no idea how long it will take us to create the conditions to do that safely. Let me say that again. We have no idea how long it will take us to create the conditions to do that safely. And if you haven't noticed, 50 years is not what it used to be. And this is 50 years in months. This is how long we've had the iPhone. This is how long The Simpsons has been on television. 50 years is not that much time to meet one of the greatest challenges our species will ever face. And once again, we seem to be failing to have an appropriate emotional response to what we have every reason to believe is coming. The, the, the uh, computer scientist Stuart Russell has a nice analogy here. He said, imagine that we received a message from an alien civilization, which read, people of Earth, we will arrive on your planet in 50 years. Get ready. And now we're just counting down the months until the mothership lands? Okay. We would feel a little more urgency than we do. Another reason we're told not to worry is that these machines can't help but share our values because they will be literally extensions of ourselves. They'll be grafted onto our brains and will essentially become their limbic systems. Now, take a moment to consider that the safest and only prudent path forward recommended is to implant this technology directly into our brains. Now, that, this may in fact be the safest and only prudent path forward, but usually one's safety concerns about a technology have to be pretty much worked out before you stick it inside your head. <laughs> okay. The deeper problem is that building superintelligent AI on its own seems likely to be easier than building superintelligent AI and having a completed neuroscience that allows us to seamlessly integrate our minds with it. And given that the companies and governments doing this work are likely to perceive themselves to be in a race against all others, given that to win this race is to win the world, provided you don't destroy it in the next moment, then it seems likely that whatever is easier to do will get done first. Now, unfortunately, I don't have a solution to this problem, apart from recommending that more of us think about it. I think we need something like a Manhattan Project on the topic of artificial intelligence. Not to build it, because I think we'll inevitably do that, but to, to understand how to avoid an arms race and to build it in a way that is aligned with our interests. When you're talking about superintelligent AI that can make changes to itself, it, would seem, it seems that we only have one chance to get the initial conditions right. And even then, we will need to absorb the economic and political consequences of getting them right. But the moment we admit that information processing is the source of intelligence, 
that some appropriate computational system is what the basis of intelligence is. And we admit that we will improve these systems continuously. And we admit that the horizon of cognition very likely far exceeds what we currently know. Then we have to admit that we're in the process of building some sort of god. Now would be a good time to make sure it's a god we can live with. Thank you very much.